Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me is Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, I'm doing good. Uh, I go to college in like 10 days, so that's that's very exciting. Uh, But yeah, uh, the Yankees. Just won that series against the White Sox after three very high energy, very entertaining games. Uh, yeah, I'm doing good though. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and get into some stuff. Starting off with our evening Sunday night baseball game, the Dodgers and the Mets. The Dodgers ended up winning this one 14 to four in a dominant showing, which I believe saw it was six, nothing after the first inning or the first couple innings, Uh, some absolutely huge shots in there, I believe from Max Muncy, but that really isn't the big story of that game at all. It actually comes from a guy who isn't even playing and that's Noah Syndergaard is he goes after the MLB and ESPN today on Twitter quote, Hey, at MLB, at ESPN, whose dumb effing idea was it to change Sunday's game to a night game when we were traveling to the West Coast after? Won't get in until Monday morning. Take on first place Giants later that evening. Brilliant. Brandon, do you think Noah Syndergaard is right to be upset here? 
Absolutely. They've had to play in the last, since Thursday, they've had a doubleheader and then three against the Dodgers. And now they have to fly all the way out to the West Coast to play against the Giants for three games. And then the Dodgers again for four games with no days off in between all of this. I think Syndergaard absolutely has a right to be frustrated. And here's just another quirk of the 2021 schedule that just makes no sense. Well, I think we can lead off with, first off, I do, I I genuinely hate to be right. However, this, this stretch is already eating the Mets alive. And then you add in this, there is no good reason in any schedule that you should have to play the same two teams for two weeks straight. I don't They're understand. obsessed with the MLB is obsessed with doing this. Like they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they do it with one team where it's like back-to-back weekend series. That's one thing, but to have the same two teams and two teams that were both going to be at minimum decent. That's that doesn't seem fair at all. And what, they they either they have done but more so allowed ESPN to do is downright criminal like there are certain things that just again again I know it's great we enjoy having great Sunday night baseball games and really entertaining matchups and this was certainly supposed to be the most entertaining matchup of the day and they're entirely they're entirely in their right to flex games as portrayed in their contract but these things need to get worked out next time around because or even in between right now because there is no logical reason how they can find it to be healthy for anything other than their dollar for this team to have to go through this type of rushed late travel schedule right now with having to hike all the way out to the west coast in the middle of the night just to play another very good team in the middle of a stretch where you've already said it, they don't have any breaks. So the fact that this isn't something that ESPN won't do is troubling, or the fact that this is something ESPN will do is troubling. The fact that this is something that the MLB hadn't prepared itself for to not be able to do is also troubling. And absolutely, I think really should change I mean, this isn't just me trying to be a knee-jerk reaction. It just seems logical. If you have to travel more than, say, I don't know, what do you want to say, four hours on an evening, in an evening, you should not have to play that a night game. You, you, you shouldn't be, be flexed into a night game like that if you have to travel more than, say, four hours. Well, see, there's a rule that says if you have a commercial flight for more than three hours after your game and you're playing a day game the next day, you're not allowed to play at night. So if you're traveling the next day and you have a date game, you're not allowed to uh, play at night. Either way, again, then it needs to be expanded upon because either you can see this is clearly not It's not a healthy lifestyle. It's not a healthy lifestyle to begin with, but instances like this are really pushing it when you're having to go completely across the country. No, it is. And I absolutely agree. Uh, But in terms of what actually happened in the series, uh, the Dodgers look pretty dominant and they sweep the Mets. Uh, 
in terms of the NL East standings, Atlanta now sits atop 62 and 56. They've won three in a row and eight of their last 10. Philadelphia is a game back of them. They've won six of their last 10. And the Mets sit two and a half games of first place Atlanta, three and seven in their last 10. They have lost three in a row and now they start or they're in the toughest stretch of their season by far. And the Braves are trending upward, Mets trending downward right now. You know what also doesn't help the Mets here? Carlos Carrasco. This is the guy that everybody kind of was ready to assume was a, he's a great pitcher, very talented, but everyone wanted to desperately assume while this team was leading that he was going to be able to come in and he was going to be able to immediately fill that need in the starting rotation and be really good and kind of be able to propel them to being a true and definitive division winner. And he has come out here and he just hasn't been it. Two innings, six hits, six earned, three strikeouts, three home runs allowed over those two innings. Um, I mean, again, I, I can't necessarily blame him from at, coming back from injury and having to get put through the ringer like this. I guess I more blame everybody else for having such high hopes and expectations early on for him. Like he was thrown right into the fire when he came back. Well, you know, maybe it makes sense now why the Indians wanted to get rid of him. Like, yeah, he pitched really good in 2020, but maybe they saw something in him that made them want to trade him. Yeah, that too. Again, I also think other than having to pay him, like which is yeah. probably the most the most likely uh, scenario. I think we need to see another full year of it because. This could this could legitimately wreck his confidence for the rest of the year. Just like getting thrown in to just a such a tough situation, frankly, failing miserably could really screw him up. I think we're also seeing the exact opposite of that in Boston right now, where Chris Sale got basically held two extra days from what his fifth day on rehab would have been against the Rays, gets held two extra days to face Baltimore, and then his second start will be against Texas. So they've given him a smooth runway into really feeling comfortable in the rotation. Carlos Carrasco has not gotten those niceties yet. No, and it's tough also because he's coming off of uh, an injury, of course, and trying to ease him in is tough when you're in the middle of a huge, huge pennant race here, wild card race, division race, whatever you want to call it. And yes, I understand for the Red Sox, they're in the middle of this too, but they're in a much better position than the Mets are in right now. So it's easier for the Red Sox to, to do that with Chris Sale than when the Mets, whose starting pitching is absolutely you know, taxed with injuries uh, for them to just have a guy like Carlos Carrasco kind of makes sense why they're just throwing him in the fire there. All right. Um, other than that, in this game, we did get quite a big game from, I believe it was, was it Max Muncy? It was Max Muncy 
two homers in this game, four RBIs going two for four over that stretch with a walk. Um, Matt Beattie also came in for him played to play first base. The RBI man got himself one touching all four bags on a homer of his own later in the game. So yeah, this, this Dodgers offense, I, I'm not sure what to necessarily call it. I mean, you could say it was the major moves at the deadline that kind of sparked things, but this team really has started to look progressively more sharp since the start of August. And it really, it really suits them. This is a lot more of what, of what we thought we could see out of this group. Yeah, I think they look more sharp because they have Trey Turner uh, in 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 their in their lineup. Uh, that's that's why I think they they look really good. Uh, he's been he's been really carrying the load this year for both the Nationals and the Dodgers. I mean, Trey Turner is a legitimate MVP candidate here in the National League. Everybody's a legitimate MVP candidate. <laughs> no, I know, but he's already at four war. Like it's, you know, it's, it's crazy at this point that, yes, we have to talk about Tatis later, of course, but just how deep it is, uh, even for like LJ, I was trying to think today. Like, we talked about a Willie Adamas. Like, I don't even know if he's going to, like, I don't know how he's going to fit in my top eight because there's just so many guys that I feel like need to be in there. Yeah, out of arrogance, I feel kind of required to force him into my top eight somehow. Oh, no, he he will somehow get in, but I feel like I'm going to leave off someone. this This will be a painful rankings of awards when we eventually get to that. Maybe we'll do it twice before the end of the season. Maybe just once. We'll see. We have not exactly figured out our end of the season plans yet. But either way, yeah, it's going to be pulling teeth to decide a lot of these awards. I mean, really, the only award that, as far as I can see, that is a clear, decisive spot is the AL MVP right now. I mean, show it's it's Shohei's award to lose, I still think. So, Overall, I mean, the rest of them, it's going to be such a tough process to go through. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the AL Cy Young is wide open. NL Cy Young is uh, wide open, but it looks like Zach, Zach Wheeler is closing in on it. But, of course, you have Walker Bueller, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns there. Uh, both of the Rookie of the Years are, I mean – do do we still think uh, Trevor Rogers is 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 going to get the NL, NL Rookie of the Year? I mean, he's at a two four five ERA, one sixty seven ERA plus two point six three FIP. He's probably the Rookie of the Year, right? Um, he's he has to be. I don't know. Brandon, who, I think... who else in the National League has been a good rookie? Jonathan India. Has he been that good? war Trevor Rogers also has oh no Trevor Rogers has 3.2 war okay but again no no it's just war no that yeah yeah, I think that doesn't mean anything yeah I think it's I think it's a really interesting spot the other other thing to consider is Trevor Rogers name hasn't really flashed 
because his team sucks in the back half of the year. And again, I know it's because his team sucks, but I think jo- I think Jonathan India could really pull himself away in the next month or so because he is not only on fire now, but his team is also still playing incredibly well. So he is going to have every, I think he could end up with every last bit of momentum going into the final days. But yeah, I, I mean, I still, I still think if I had to, if I had to choose it right now, it is probably Trevor Rogers purely because he could probably, he could potentially find his way onto a Cy Young ballot right now. So if you can, if you can consider him, if you can even consider him for that award, then he probably should be the rookie of the year. Yeah, uh, well, that, that I agree. So, as for our um, scheduling yesterday, I did have to record a little early, which we didn't miss much, except the biggest story of the day, and that is Tyler Gilbert throwing a no hitter in his first career start. Brandon, what was your reaction? LJ, I was. <laughs> I had the alerts going on my phone and I looked and I was like, wait a minute, like Tyler Gilbert. I'm like, who, who the hell is this guy? And then I'm reading it. First career start. It was only his fourth career game that he's pitched ever uh, in the bigs. And, you know, very impressive. Uh, I'm not going to take anything away from, from him whatsoever. Uh, is this is this possibly like the saddest moment of the Diamondback season two because it's like they're celebrating but it's like yay we are now 38 and 81 you know I don't think that's even the sad part the sad part is that we are very quickly approaching another no hitter run I mean there was yeah there was two there was two bids yesterday. The mm-hmm. Reds had one, and, or no, the Philly. Phillies had one. The Phillies had one. Matt Moore was it? Matt. Uh, the uh, Phillies had one, and then Tyler Gilbert gets that no hitter. Speaking of Tyler Gilbert, Seattle. This this the person get, uh, really gets hurt and embarrassed by this is Seattle. They don't even have the best rookie Gilbert pitcher anymore. I think Ooh. that's pretty fair to say. Yeah. Based based on based on the the samples we have, Tyler Gilbert, LJ, how about how about this efficiency? He has one point two WAR through twelve point two career innings. That puts his one hundred sixty two game average at sixteen point three WAR. That would be hey, this guy could be the next old hoss Radborn here. And then today, to just kind of mesh in something else we're going to talk about a little bit, Tristan McKenzie of the Cleveland Indians goes perfect through seven innings, through so all the way through seven innings. I believe it was like seven and a third or something. So, yeah, this is just – this is getting to, into dangerous territory. We haven't seen this many near no-hitters since April and May. So we very well could be on the verge of another – either cold, I guess you could say cold streak for offense, hot streak for pitching. And I mean, we've, we've already broken. The, I think Tyler Gilbert's was the record breaker, correct? For no hitters. Tied the record. His tied, tied the record. record at eight. No, well, it's eight no hitters, but I think 
mad bums isn't counted so it's really nine so like yeah they have the record but like not officially the record it's tied which is still i guess it's you know i guess it's not as sad as we thought it would be realistically we're sitting here in the middle of august saying we just broke the record and two-thirds of those no hitters came in the first month of the year so the pace has certainly dropped dramatically from early on in this season so I don't think we can complain. I think you can also chalk it up to a lot of good pitching. Uh, Yeah, so I think that does kind of hurt the momentum of the whole Tyler Gilbert no-hitter. Of course, it won't hurt him, but in terms of his acknowledgement, it's still in the back of our minds that we should be sick of these no-hitters. But, I mean, as for Tristan McKenzie, too, perfect through seven innings it was is fantastic. And just, I think, has to excite every Cleveland Indians fan out there because, I mean, this is the fl- type of flashes that he has always been showing, whether he executes them or not, is something that has always been remaining to be seen. There are a lot of strong supporters of Tristan McKenzie out there, of course, at only 23 years old. He hasn't necessarily shown them what they've wanted from him this year. But you have to love what the numbers are showing you. Yeah, you know, especially today where he was just on another level. And it was really, really impressive to watch. I mean, just go and watch the highlights if you haven't seen it yet. But, you know, I'm sure Indians fans are – overjoyed by this because this is a guy who they pick in the first round all the way back in 2015 so they've been waiting all this time I'm sure the diehard fans have had this guy's name in the back of their head like hey whatever happened to him like it's 2018 like where's our first round pick like it's 2019 where's our first round pick from five years ago like last year he makes his debut uh as actually able to pitch pretty good and then they have him on his playoff roster. The Yankees get to him a little bit. You know, he's only 22. That's all right. Uh, his age 23 season this year, he's looked a little shaky, but it's really his first. Learning. Full, yeah, it's his first full season. He's only, uh, he just turned 24 uh, August 2nd, It's still, but it's still technically his age 23 season. Like he's, I think that this guy is going to be really good. Uh, he has quite an interesting frame 6'5 165 LJ he is a string bean <laughs> he is very skinny yeah the string beans they, they they really know how to strike him out don't they I mean we're talking now a 10.7 strikeouts per nine for his career which again is only 100 innings so take that how you will but even in his longer stretch here 2021 over 76 innings he's still above 10 strikeouts per nine so this is going to be a real put away pitcher and he just has to again iron out those the deficiencies and the walks yeah so once he gets that out of the way it's not going to be an issue i also this i think is a lot part of your point do you think it really benefits most guys that go out of high school to go out of high school into professional baseball 
If you're a pitcher, you should go to college. Uh, it, it's been proven that college pitchers are much more successful in the MLB uh, than, than high school pitchers are just because high school pitchers are really hard to evaluate. You don't, you can't really get a good feel on the talent they're playing unless they play on some, you know, sort of elite travel team or the perfect game showcases, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, college pitchers, you have a lot more film on them. Uh, they've already been working with coaches there that are, you know, actually getting paid for full-time salary to do that. As for hitters, uh, I mean, we've seen plenty of really good hitters just come straight out of high school and be fine. So honestly, I think the approach is college pitchers and then really just the best available talent a hitter. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like if I was in the position of I was even a position player coming out of high school and I had the opportunity to even even if I was had a first round caliber pitcher. Is it in my best interest to start right away, because it is more of an exception than a rule that you're going to be Mr. Super Phenom and get up to the majors by the time you're 19, 20 years old. That happens like to like one guy every 10 years. Yeah. So, and it, you mean in terms of them actually working out? No, like in terms of a guy being so good that they are able to uh, debut at age 19. Yeah. And then, yeah. And so, some of them fail. So you think about, you think about that, you're basically going to be spending the majority of the time you would be in college in the minors. And you get that exact treatment that you described there. All of the diehard fans that followed the draft, they knew who got drafted. Every now and then they'll think about him for a while, like, okay, when's he coming up? But eventually it's just natural because you don't see those teams every day. You don't hear about those minor league teams every single day. You forget about them. And I, I just think as much as you're getting a paycheck and you're getting a signing bonus right away and that guaranteed money is something that a lot of guys need. So I'm not going to certainly say they're a fool for taking that when they get the chance, but there's more money these days in building your brand than there is in an actual paycheck from, from a professional sports team. Well, when so, you speak about uh, building your brand, why, why not go to college now with all the rules? Right. Exactly. Like, you know, I, I hadn't even thought about that brand. Thank you. Because now it's a very much more even playing field in terms of what endorsements and brand you can build. But I was purely thinking from the fact of if you're in a, co a good college program, you're going to get seen. You're going to continue to get eyes on you from the public for the next three years until you're until you go to the league. And then once you're in the minor league system, Usually those top guys, those first round talents out of college are maybe one, two years maximum until they're up in the majors. So uh, I'd have to think that those, those three, four years that you wouldn't be in professional baseball had to have been worth it for a lot of guys, even before the name image likeness stuff. Yeah. But you know, especially we, we saw how many minor league teams get completely cut, you know, 
the guys that's, that were in college benefited a lot better than the players that were in a minor league system uh, because of the COVID pandemic, uh, in my opinion, because they end up cutting all these minor league teams, right? And all the players that were on the teams either have to go somewhere else within the organization and there's less teams, which means they have less players that they really need to pay. Meanwhile, you're a college kid, you're coming in the draft, like you're a Jack Leiter, right? For example, like you said, LJ, you can get to the league in two years. Meanwhile, some of these kids who just got drafted out of high school, undrafted free agent, whatever, they now don't even have a team to play for. Meanwhile, if you went to college for three years, you could be in the league, you know, within two years of you graduating easily. So it's just. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a it's winter time when temperatures go down the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them so don't risk a costly replacement stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the service guard appliance repair program from black hills energy it's peace of mind in a plan visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more whether or not you want to go to school and look, we've seen tons and tons of really good players that came out straight out of high school. And then we're not saying it can't be done, but the numbers say, and at least it's, you know, you can tell that the logic says, yeah. And especially now with all the name image likeness stuff in the NCAA, uh, the NCAA coaches are also getting smarter. All these, facilities in the sec they have driveline-esque equipment that they're using and all this stuff like the teams are very very analytical it's all it's it's all very modern up-to-date state-of-the-art baseball that that is being played down there and why not you know go to if you're that good if you're a stud go to an sec school like a vanderbilt i mean that's what a guy like like walker bueller did like he was one of the best players in the country as a high schooler he got drafted in the 14th round right which is it's not bad and he said you know what no i'm gonna go into the draft or excuse me i'm gonna go to college at vanderbilt he ends up getting picked in the first round three years later 24th pick like he went to college balled out at Vanderbilt and now is probably has a chance to win the Cy Young this year in his age 26 season you know it's 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 crazy yeah that's the thing too I mean we talk about it like 26 is like when the athletic peak starts it seems in American sports for men at least so if he's already able to reach that point, 
does it really matter for anybody else except maybe like the Mike Trouts of the world who are legitimately on a pace where they could end up being the career war leader? Like, unless you're one of those guys, which most people aren't, and also that isn't the end-all be-all towards being the greatest. I mean, per season, what you do per season also should matter to an extent. So you don't have to have that 25-year longevity starting from age 19 in order to be incredibly successful. The majority of guys aren't going to get to their maximum potential of being that dominant superstar until they're into their mid-20s anyways. No, I totally agree with that. And it's crazy to think that a guy like Soto, Tati, Sacuna, they aren't even close to their mid-20s yet. Mm -hmm. And I mean, with the way that those three have played this year, you know, sorry that Acuna is hurt, but just to imagine, like, could they all put up a 10-war season, like, in the same year? Like, I'm sure it's possible. It, I, I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibilities. I would like to see it. like And Vladdy. Like, I keep forgetting about Vladdy. <laughs> There's, yeah, again, like, the star power marketing wise is all like focused in the national league, but there's a lot to love in the American league too. I think there are a lot of guys here that could easily throw themselves into the conversation of being the next player to what's the word I'm looking for. The next players to save baseball like the re kind of rebirth of American baseball that you look at, like the home run race back after the uh, lockout and everything where it's like, you know, everybody, the, the morale around baseball, the popularity of baseball was diminishing. You need something to spice that up. I think there's a lot of players out there on those fields right now that could do that. Frankly, that's probably the most likely thing to really get people invested in baseball again is if you get guys like Tatis, Soto, Acuna. Um, who else am I forgetting in the National League? Pick me another National League young superstar. You name it. And Jazz Chisholm, why not? <laughs> Jazz Chisholm, Brian Hayes. Um, just, throw, throw, just throw names out there now. Yeah, if, if you had like two of them, fighting to get over like 10 a war and then another one down there at like eight war for a season. And they were just every, every single game was just an absolute laser show. That would be, it would be amazing to me. I agree. I, I, right. I really do. But LJ. Brandon, this is your time to shine. It's nasty nester time. Nasty nester time. Nasty Nestor Cortez Jr. made his sixth start of the year today. Only his 14th appearance for the Yankees. Six starts, eight relief appearances. He doesn't care. Six innings, one earned run, seven Ks in a win. His first win on the year, believe it or not. The Yankees win 5-3. And they take two of three from the White Sox. LJ, how about this? Uh, 
the Yankees have taken five out of six against the White Sox this year. Look, Nestor Cortez, it, it started, I got admittedly, my infatuation with Nestor Cortez started entirely as a joke. And I think that was the same for most people. But he like is back like, in 2019, 2018, we were all over us. Like this guy has proven time and time again now to be a stud, to be a gamer, to be a man who truly loves baseball. They were talking about it on the broadcast today, so it very well may have been fabricated to an extent. But telling the general story, which from the type of guy he seems to be, I would buy it, where not only is he very comfortable taking on that swingman role where he could go a month as a starter and then a couple weeks as a reliever before back into going back into the rotation, but he does exactly seem like the type of guy who would go and ask for, ask or at least tell the manager, hey, I can give you more innings right now, three days after his last start. Like he seems like the type of guy that just wants the ball as much as possible, which I can respect the hell out of. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that, with that a character assessment. He's really awesome, and he's actually pretty funny, too. So when he, when he against the Angels, when he was doing all the weird stuff or, like, just changing up his wind-up and everything, you know, so, of course, the reporters asked him, and they're like, you know, what's that all about? And he's like, look, like, I have to face Shohei Otani, right? Like, if you think I'm just going to stand up there and just pitch normally to him and like, it's going to work out fine. He's like, you guys are nuts. Like, like I have to do this shit just to try to make it. So like, I can just like maybe catch him off guard. It's like when you're facing these guys in the MLB, he's like, I know I don't have the stock to overpower them, but I know that if I play around with them enough, I might be able to, to uh, get some nice innings in there. I'm trying to figure out what animal he is. I was about to go for the possum. Is that the correct? Yeah, yeah, like I, he, I guess that's fair. Like he knows exactly what to do, even if it isn't the prettiest thing out there, even if it isn't the most normal thing out there, he knows exactly what he has to do to stay alive. And he's just going to stay alive as long as possible. This is the guy that we talk about is so important to have in your postseason bullpen. I think that like Alex Wood did this best for, for the Dodgers uh, in years past. But like you said, LJ, that swingman guy where if your starter in a postseason game is only able to give you three innings, bring in Cortez for two or three, and then you can, and then you can go to your bullpen options. And I know he would be down to do that. He would be down to open in a playoff game, you know, pitch two innings, and then we go for whatever. I would honestly, if the Yankees did that in a playoff game, I, I would not be mad if it was like Cortez for two or three innings. And then we just kind of go from there with whoever in the bullpen, because we're going to have so many options for, for the bullpen uh, in the playoffs. If we're able to make it, uh, that we could really have a lot of versatility with what we could do with the Nestor. Absolutely. I mean, again, 
Nasty Nestor. Nasty Nestor the possum is a treasure. All right, we got some dingers to talk about here. Let's go ahead and start with the good old Bingo, a Bango, a Yahtzees here. And we got two of them. Danzy Swanson and Nolan Arenado have now officially hit Bingo, Bango, Yahtzee status, homering in three consecutive games for the Braves and Cardinals, respectively. Um, Dansby is, of course, the less expected of the two, I guess you'd say. Where do you overall stand on Dansby Swanson's season? I like Dansby. Uh, like he, he's a serviceable shortstop. Like, unfortunately, there's a lot of really, really good players now, especially hitters that play shortstop. But if this guy played in like the 90s and he was this good of a hitting shortstop, people would think that he was like one of the best players in the league. And I'm serious because that's how people would think back then. I mean, here's a here's an above average fielder and he can swing a pretty good bat and he's at a premium defensive spot at shortstop. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a good hitter. I, I like watching him play. It's nice to see that he's kind of cut down on the strikeouts almost. And he's finally playing a lot of games. LJ, if I'm reading this right, he has the most games played out of anyone in the league this year. He has the Bold yes. and italics on his on his baseball reference. So leads Major the league. entire league, which uh is awesome. He played all 60 games last year, which unfortunately uh, didn't lead the league because Starling Marte got traded and ended up playing 61. But yeah, uh look, the fact that this guy stays healthy, he's cutting down on the strikeouts a little bit. Uh, you know, he he, he has a career high in home runs, a career high in RBIs. Uh, yeah, good for him. I'm a, I'm a big fan. And 27 years old, he's – I really like what they did. Yeah, I think Dansby Swanson is the guy – he kind of gets a bad rap here. Or at least – I mean, he doesn't get a bad rap. or He gets less of a rap than he deserves because people like to – create farm system groupings i guess it would be the best way to describe it if i'm going to make any sense here like as stars start to come up and the next generation starts to come up they like to group them all together and think of think of like in basketball big threes you like to think of these prospect groups like in eloy jimenez luis robert type thing where they all kind of come up together julio rodriguez uh jared kleenex um you name it all of these guys, they're kind of all around that same age. You have Swanson, Dansby Swanson coming up at the exact same time, or at least around the same general couple years as Ronald Acuna. And he starts to finally start getting a little improvement at the plate right as you're starting to be competitive. He's always going to be linked to him, not only as a teammate, but as like the same generation of player. And it's not fair. It's going to, it's going to make him pale in comparison. Him and Albies are, I think in that same boat with that stuff. And Dansby Swans has always kind of gotten the short end of the stick. I agree. And you know, that's another one that Arizona wishes they probably never did. Like why would they draft him first overall 
to then trade him like a couple years later like did they really not like him they trade him for Shelby Miller like come on like this was I get Shelby Miller looked really good on St. Louis those first few years but to trade your number one overall pick it just seems ridiculous no you're right I mean it's just I think it's very easy to get overly aggressive these days if you're a small market and you see any slight window for hope when you haven't had one there it's not like it's not like the diamondbacks are the cardinals it's not like the diamondbacks are the rays who aren't big markets they don't have huge payrolls but they're consistently pretty good at at minimum so but it was literally like six months after they drafted him. It was that off season. Oh, I know. But like, if you, if you think about it, I think it's very similar to everything that went down in Pittsburgh where they start handing out contracts and thinking that, Hey, if we put this piece, this piece and this piece there, we can contend in the postseason. The truth of the matter. And I'm sorry to say it is if you're scratching your head and trying to find pieces that will get you to be a playoff contender, not a World Series contender, then you shouldn't be selling the farm in the way that that a lot of small market teams do. Especially especially the way the the social status of the league is set up right now. I mean, that's another talk for another day of whether we need more things to compete for in this league that actually socially matter. But I just think if if World Series are really the only thing that most people care about these days, then I, th- I think a lot of teams go a little too far for not a lot of potential reward. But well, the one thing I wanted to bring up last when the Diamondbacks made that trade, LJ, would you like to guess who their who the team president was in 2015 of the Arizona? No. Don't tell me Jeff did this too. No. <laughs> Someone I can't believe was even allowed to be in that position. Tony LaRusa. Right. I forgot he was the chief them. baseball officer. Well, <laughs> You know, LJ, I saw something today. He's only challenged nine calls the whole year. Well, if only nine needed to be challenged. You don't get penalized for not using your challenge. Oh. <laughs> it's not like it's like, oh, LJ, you get minus one run because you didn't use your challenge. Like, I wonder if he knows that, like, you can well, do it. No, he have to put his pitcher at second base. No, see, he probably thinks that part of the unwritten rules is that the umps are supposed to get calls wrong sometimes. It just happens. It's just part of the game. I mean, it is part of the game. <laughs> no, but no, but when they get it wrong, it's like, eh, why would I challenge? You know, it's 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 part of the game. The Diamondbacks have a lot of questionable situations. For one. If we're talking about decent to good bullpen arms that they've let just walk out of their organization for nothing, how about Daniel Bard? This guy was their mental health coach 
for I think three seasons, decides to make his baseball comeback and goes to the Rockies rather than the organization he was already working for. Like, I'm sorry, you had to have heard a whiff of it. You have to do at least something within your power to try to, you know, at least bring him in for a few workouts. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he was with your organization and then, like, it wasn't even you guys that ended up giving him a chance. And then he pitches so good in 2020 against you. Uh, yeah, that's that's a big slap in the face. Absolutely. Awful. All right. Well, one more major topic before we get on into the players of the week, and that is Fernando Tatis Jr. is both back in the game, and I'm sorry, Bryce Harper, you're great, but back in firm control of the MVP conversation, Fernando Tatis, right fielder for the San Diego Padres, hits two bombs tonight in his first game back from the IL. He looks really good. I mean, we don't really most people don't count defense against position players in the MVP conversation. So even if he isn't a plus defender in right field, it's not really going to hurt him that badly. So am I correct in saying that as long as he stays healthy, he is the MVP? Yeah. Uh, no, you're, you're very, very correct in saying that. Uh, after his four for five with four RBIs today. So he's got 33 homers. He's had 74 RBIs. He's hitting 300. His OPS is 1.054. Uh, yeah, no, he's that. Uh, and he's playing right field now, which. All right, dude, like you don't need to show off that much. I mean, come on. You don't, you, don't, you don't have to give us the cannon here. Um, I'm just waiting for him to make some, like, ridiculous throw, and then people are going to be like, oh, but uh, he can't field and all. Oh, yeah, I, I, I just can't wait for all the people. There's so many people hating on him because he's playing the outfield now. It's like, why are you hating on him? Like, it's it's not – at the end of the day – he's not the one that makes the lineup and puts himself in the outfield. Yeah. Like, he could still be playing the infield. It's not him that's, that's making that choice. Look, the only reason I get troubled by it is because I don't understand it in any way, shape or form, how it helps him. But if it helps him go for it. The thing that I feel kind of ashamed about as somebody who has followed the MLB so closely all year, the fact that Fernando Tatis Jr. has 33 home runs. Like, I'm sorry. Maybe I just wasn't completely paying attention. It's not like I wasn't expecting him to have home runs. I've seen quite a few absolute shots from him. But I was thinking, like, if you showed me Fernando Tatis, showed me a few home runs and asked how many home runs he'd have right now, I'd probably say somewhere around 25. And that's not a knock on him. 25 home runs in August is a great place to be. But he is in a very reasonable situation for him to hit 40 home runs at 22 years old. And, yeah. he, he, and he isn't a huge build. 
he's got he's got a relatively small frame. He's got a, a true shortstop's frame. So it's just he's a freak of nature, athletic genius. Well, shall we get on to our players of the week? Oh sure. All right, LJ, I'll let you uh, take it away. Oh, I'm. I was gonna say you can take it away. Um, hold on, let me pull up my decision. I had a couple spots, you know. I looked at the first one and I'm like, does he pass the eye test? And then I thought, yes, he does pass the eye test way too much. So I need to look around for some other options. I entertained Ozzy Albies. I entertained Lewis Brinson. I tried my best to entertain Xander Bogarts, but the player of the week, by far, above and beyond, the Chicago White Sox's Eloy Jimenez currently comes in here six games, five home runs, six runs, 15 RBIs, and slashes 458, 462, 1.125 for the last six games he's played this week with a positive defensive impact. I don't know what else to say for this guy other than, wow, we forgot what a treasure we had here. Honestly, he's the other guy I should have been mentioning. Vladdy and Eloy. Vladdy and Eloy could easily, in the future, try to race each other to 10 war for a season and be the revival of baseball as much as Tatis and Acuna could do it. Like, this guy is a stud. And we can't, we can't let ourselves forget it. I mean, based on, again, it's a very small sample size, but just on the eye test, you have to think we'd be talking about a much more tightly fought MVP race in the American League right now if he was in the picture, especially if Shohei wasn't. Yeah, you want to know another guy who I think could also be a 10-war player at some point? Luis Robert. I mean... He's hitting seventh for the White Sox today. And, like, he he comes up, LJ, and I'm like, this guy's hitting seventh for this team and is one of their best power hitters. Like, I know the Yankees have a pretty stacked lineup, but this guy has a 131 OPS plus, and he's hitting seventh. I mean, crazy lineup depth they have there. And it's, Eloy and not- in the middle, Robert, Abreu, Anderson, It's they're all just... And it isn't a stretch for me to say that Eloy and Luis could very easily both be MVPs at least once in their career. Oh, yeah. Easily. Brandon, who are you thinking for this week's Player of the Week? I am going to once again go with a pitcher, and surprisingly, I'm only going to go with a guy who's made one start in the last seven days, but boy, was it... I'm sorry? Best Gilbert in the league? No, believe it or not, I'm not going with him. Give me Corbin Burns. This week, eight innings, four hits, no earned runs, 15 strikeouts, no walks. Eight innings, 15 strikeouts, no walks, no runs. I mean, I can just keep repeating it over and over. That just sounds beautiful to say. 15 strikeouts in eight innings. It's, again, we talked about it uh, 
couple days ago. I mean, these will both end up in the best of podcast on Unhinged Radio. So if you're listening from there, hi, welcome. If you're not, go check us out if you've missed any of our past episodes from the week. We've got some major highlights in there. Those types of performances, the performance we saw from Corbin Burns this week, those are the MVP making moments. Those are the Cy Young making moments, the type of like pantheon rise above everything there and be the best that you can be. That's what we can see. We've seen multiple times this year out of Corbin Burns. This was one of them. I had a hard time not picking him as well. Well, all right, uh, LJ, I believe that that is all we have for today. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Be sure to check us out Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. Uh, play that trivia game on our Twitter. And uh, yeah, be sure to check us out tomorrow. Uh, we'll see you. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.